You've just entered the Disaster Tough podcast, the place for emergency managers, first responders, and humanitarians who want to get the job done. Stories, lessons, and tips are provided by field experts. This show is owned and operated by professional emergency managers at Doberman Emergency Management. We apply disaster tough logic by protecting life, property, and business continuity through planning, mitigation, and training. Check us out at DobermanEMG.com or click on the show notes. Radiocoms just got a major breakthrough with the L3 Harris XL Extreme 400P. It's the newest and toughest radio out there. Built by their space and tactical teams, the XL Extreme series can take a beating. 1,700 degree blast of heat, repeated 3 meter drops, rain, salt water, you name it. The XL Extreme series by L3 Harris can take it. Visit L3Harris.com to schedule your demo today. The battle to monitor and contain COVID-19 just got exponentially better for us. We are officially introducing an electronic reusable, yes, reusable COVID-19 test through our sponsors. It's called the COVID Plus Test, created by Tiger Tech, distributed by FS Global. This is the first FDA-authorized, rapid, non-invasive pre-screener. It's extremely easy to use. Forget those one-time use swabs. This is a disaster-tough technology. For more information on the COVID Plus test, check out our show notes. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. The uh, the, the repeat offender for uh, coming onto the show, Patrick McGinn. One of my best friends, he and I served on the national, te- national team, if you heard the previous episodes. We have a lot of experience uh, working together, and he has moved on to great things himself, working at uh, the Salvation Army for the uh, as the director there, and he's going to be talking about that for Northern California and um, Nevada and, and emergency operations. Today, we're going to be talking about PSPS, public safety power shutoff plans, and some other fun topics for the, for the day. Patrick, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, John. It's great to be here. Yeah, again, I'm, and I, again and again. <laughs> and again and again and again. I feel like Oprah. You get another show with Pat. You get another show with Pat. Um, it's always fun to to catch up with you on the show, man. And I'm I'm really grateful that you're able to make the time. I understand that Salvation Army is doing a ton of stuff with fire season starting to ramp up here. It's you know summertime and um, you know trying to get everything together and. Um, we have this other u- unique issue in California, as as noted in the intro, public safety power shut off. And you've been involved in that. I've been involved that with that with Doberman. So just kick us off, man. Can you just give us an update of what you've been working on with Salvation Army and um, kind of like what you see moving forward? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, Cal Fire kind of updates their stats comparing last year to this year. And already this year, we've had 700 more fires compared to last year at the same time. And more than 100,000 acres or more than 130,000 acres more have burned compared to last year around this time. So we're screwed. It, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. It, it, well, it's drier than it has been in, in a long time. Um, and there's new fires every day. Every day there's new fires. Um, I know because I keep a map that shows me when all the fires were that were in the last 24 hours. So, um, it's been ramping up and because of luckily because of last season, because it was so chaotic, um, the Salvation Army received so much funding, uh, or, 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 you know, donated, donated funds 
that we've been able to buy enough supplies and after doing after actions and determining, you know, how we can do things better, buying supplies that, that meet those new needs. Um, and so we've delivered those out to all of our local offices in pretty much every medium to large size city in California. Mm. Um, and so we're prepared. We're ready in that, in that way for our local groups to respond. But also we've had two responses. We're averaging, we're going to average, I think probably two responses a month. Um, so we've had like the salt fire and the lava fire up in, no, there was not a volcanic eruption up in, uh, Siskiyou County, North of Reading. Mm. And, uh, then this week and last week we had the, uh, the, the Beckworth complex fire that's, uh, in Lassen County. And so we've been feeding at a shelter in Susanville. Okay. So you've already with the, been with the, of, uh, with the help of Southern Baptist. Okay. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, talk about collaboration by the way. Um, which is a huge part of like the VOAD experience, right? Um, pulling in all these different resources, p- people parsing that out. Salvation Army, for example, working with um, Southern Baptist. I've already, that's amazing. We've already had 700, you said 700 more fires this year. And, you know, by the time this airs, you know, there'll be probably 100 more, right? So, like, there's, it's just amazing that, um, like, it's just so dry here in California dry on the west coast that trend's going to continue i keep on kind of making like this like dark joke of like well eventually like we're not going to have any more fires because everything will have burned right but um you know so for a while though you you got a you got a job at hand um you've been focusing on well i we both been focusing on psps um for a while now um, Doberman is just wrapping up a, uh, contract with a tribal nation on the coast that, um, we feel very honored and, uh, lucky to work with them. Uh, they reached out to us for PSPS. And so we've been involved really heavily in that process. We've worked with a couple universities now, but, um, in terms of your perspective in PSPS, just for our audience sake, cause we have a lot of people who are not in California, obviously, can you explain like what PSPS public safety power shutoff plans are, where they kind of came from? And then maybe you and I can just talk about maybe can, maybe the, the applicable information that can be applied across the country, right? Like Texas, for example, that just had a major power shutoff. Sure. So, uh, PG and E Pacific gas and electric was, has been responsible for several huge fires in California. Um, and because of that, they are now, they have been now for the last year or two, uh, since campfire, I believe in 2018, so starting in 2019, they start doing public, what they call public safety power shutoffs, which means that when there's red flag warnings and red flag warnings are when there's dry vegetation, low moisture, possibly high winds and really hot temperatures, um, that there's a, it's the highest likelihood that there's going to be a fire. So if there's a red flag warning in a certain area of California, uh, PG&E, if they work in that area and they work in most of Northern and Central California, they will turn off the power to that neighborhood or to that portion of the city or the county. Um, could be wide swaths across, you know, dozens of miles, or it could just be centralized to certain neighborhoods. Um, but even so, when we when when we were on the federal team and uh, and even at the state level, their first priority when disasters happen is getting the power back on. That's the thing that causes the most amount of trouble for people in their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, with PSPS, public safety power shutoff, that's how we'll refer to it from now on, uh, that is happening without a disaster happening. So they're creating disasters by trying to mitigate starting bigger fires. So we can just turn off the power to this neighborhood here that hopefully when the winds come through and our, uh, and our lines, you know, slap together and, and create sparks that it won't create sparks because the power won't be on. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to avoid starting another fire because they almost went bankrupt the last time from all the lawsuits that they got. Um, well, they got a huge bailout. Like it wasn't, it was pretty messed up, but, uh, like part of the problem is that their systems are just so outdated too, right? Like they're really outdated systems. We only have a few, uh, companies, power companies, utility companies that are providing mass power. PG&E is one of them. Uh, California Edison is another one in South Southern California. Um, and they also do public safety power shutoffs. They just don't call them that, but they've been doing that for a little while now. Mm. Uh, but what we found is that it causes the, the biggest problem, and this should be obvious, but for those who have access and functional needs, people with disabilities and people who have medical needs, like they can't sleep without certain machines. They can't, um, they're on dialysis. They need a charger. They need whatever it is for whatever medical device that they need to live or they need it to charge their computer so they can communicate with others or that so that they can talk, uh, so that they can move around. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this past week I was on a call with, um, two one one, which is a a social, a, a number you can call in California that, um, and, and maybe in other states as well, that you can call that can connect you to social services. So it's, uh, it was a meeting with them and a meeting with uh, a group from PG&E to talk about how we can, how they can fund local community organizations to, um, to potentially provide people with hotel rooms when there's a PSPS, only people with access and functional needs. Mm. Um, there's another big issue with, with food, when that happened, so Kincaid Fire 20, 2019 in Santa Rosa, there was a uh, it, like 200,000 people evacuated Santa Rosa, uh, but also there was PSPS. So everybody's food, and it was for five days. So everybody's food in their refrigerator and their freezer went bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that affects everybody. The PSPS kind of levels, doesn't matter your, just like disasters, it doesn't matter your class or your income or anything, kind of levels the plain, playing field for people. Um, but for AFN specifically, act, people with access and functional needs, um, we're now in the planning process of figuring out, okay, when that happens, can we get them a hotel room? And one big part of the conversation that I brought up was, well, you know, that's a, that's a Band-Aid. Putting them in a hotel room is a Band-Aid, and that costs a lot of money over time. And they're, they're going to keep doing PSPS for the next five to ten years, at least. Maybe they'll just keep doing it. Yeah. So I brought up the idea of, well, you know, as a good mitigation strategy, why don't we look at getting these people a generator? They're usually, they run, you know, a thousand dollars, the ones that we usually get for people. Well, why don't we get them a generator and teach them how to use it? That way they don't have to leave their home. Yeah. When you remove someone from their home, it's already a stressful environment if they have to evacuate. But if they have to leave, they don't even have to evacuate. They have to leave because their power is off. Um, and you're an able, able-bodied person that's still you know, did I grab everything from home? Kind of stressful. Well, now you're, you can't fully take care of yourself on your own. You rely on other people and it's a much scarier, stressful environment 
and you have to go to a hotel. Um, mm. I just don't think it's the best solution, but it's something that we want to be part of. So we're, we're talking about being part of that um, and getting reimbursed by those, by, by PG&E or by the, uh, by the sub, the sub lease or, or not the sub lease, the sub grantee um, for how to do that. But yeah, the, mm. hoping that they got me in contact with a group that focuses on alternative energy sources to keep people at home, whether that's giving them extra battery packs, whether that's giving them cell phone chargers, mm. uh, or those big blocks that can you can plug a USB into and charge anything. Um, it doesn't last forever, but I've got one that, that has like four cell phone chargers on it, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, teaching, yeah just giving, not giving, but purchasing generators for people. Cause we're really thinking about it. If it's a thousand dollars and they had a PSPS in their area and they, it was, you know, over the course of a couple of years, it was over 10 days. And with the average cost of a hotel being $125, well, within a couple of years, yeah, you know, you're gonna match that for sure. Yeah, and exactly. like even with discounts, like a lot of people don't even are aware with the, the discounts that they can get. And so like, um, like hotels right now are just insane because of COVID, right? The cleaning fees and everything else. And so like, you're talking like maybe you'll hit that thousand dollar max in just a couple of days. The motel eight, there was a, a, a friend called me a motel eight and, uh, 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 motel six. They were both charging $450 a night. Um, my friend was like, so what we did was we went to Walmart, we bought, uh, a tent and some, um, air mattresses and our family just slept, uh, basically on the ground because like we, we did not expect the motel eight to charge us $450 for the one night for one. It's like, so like, there's like stuff like that too going on where there's other constraints that are, that are happening because of COVID and because of other things. Um, you talked about, yeah, you talked about training, um, people, right. And, um, that was highlighted for us on two reasons. Hurricane Laura, um, the number one killer um, in that disaster was people um, using their generators inside their home, so creating fumes, and therefore, um, I think I think there was eight deaths just caused, caused by that. Um, so what we did is when we went to um, our, our contract and we said, hey, you got to buy these generators, we looked at the scope, we looked at the size, we're like, hey, let's make sure we give you training on this too. And so like making sure that you can keep fuel inside of some generators, but you still have to drain the lines. You have to put stabilizer there. Where do you store them? Can we put them in a permanent location outside the home? And so like, just like that training piece is so important, even on something like, hey, go buy this smaller generator that's going to help you, you know, uh, have one appliance or, or be able to charge your wheelchair or whatever. Um, to be able to hook that up for people is... Um, is a process in itself. Oh yeah, absolutely. It'd have to be a whole campaign with, um, preparedness procedures on how to work it and to go to those communities and talk directly to those people, not providing them with a pamphlet that says, here's how you do it. Actually go in places and, and instructing people how to do that. Um, the model that we're bringing all of this off of is my counterpart, the, uh, disaster services director down in Southern California named uh, Nick Nguyen, he did this in San Diego already. So we're trying to mirror the success story of San Diego where he was providing hotel rooms for people during PSPS events last year um, in San Diego. Mm. And because that works well, they're gonna we're, we're gonna try it other places as well. Um, 
and, and see how that works. But I've gotten calls from the California Department of Social Services just last year asking, hey, we've got people up in, um, you know, near where the campfire was up in Butte County and uh, people with medical disabilities, they need, uh, they need medical devices, they need, they need power. What can you provide? And it's like, well, when do you need this by? Tomorrow. Mm. There's no planning for this. We, we're not ready for this. Yeah. Uh, however, the approach, and, and they were just struggling in the moment, reaching out to whoever they could, um, because this is causing a, a really big issue for those people. So where an evacuation and a fire is a huge deal and it's a disaster and it's, it's a worst case scenario for everybody, uh, losing the power for people who rely on the power to live every day, that is catastrophic. Absolutely. There should be legislation for those people for PSPS. Um, it's a serious issue. So, um, right now, yeah, there's lots of community efforts to try to figure this out and try to plan for it. Can we put them in hotels? If we, when we put them in hotels, can other organizations provide them with other social services that they may need? Mm. Um, are there organizations that, uh, donate medical equipment? And there are, and let's reach out to those. Let's reach out to crisis counseling or, um, mental health services or emotional spiritual care. Um, and kind of get, it's starting to like build, build the puzzle together, putting it together. So it's not just Salvation Army. It's not just 211. It's mm. not just PGE. It can be lots of different organizations to help cater to these people. Okay. But it's something I know that counts struggle with as well. You're highlighting a lot of things uh, to, the, to the point earlier in the show about how can this apply to other emergency managers around the country. We got a, a rude awakening in Texas, you know, with, um, you know, not, it was it man-made, um, like intentionally turn it off, but it was man-made caused. Right. And so like without fuel, the, you know, they long story long, they didn't have power for like huge swaths of Texas for a long period of time during a winter event of which they were unprepared. And so like, they had like this dual thread of like, Hey, it's cold. Plus you don't have power. What are we going to do? So like, that's, that's when I was like, okay, there's like a, it's not like a public safety power shut off, but there is a, there is an, a power outage. And what do you do when extended power outages, power outages, as you and I both know, hurricanes cause them, tornadoes cause them. Like there's so many things that cause power outages. Like the, the grid is actually truly vulnerable. Um, and I was reading a report about like, you know, there hasn't really been any thought process into, um, the mitigation of man-made threat to power in the U S like you can literally walk up to a substation and like put your hand on it. Basically like you can, uh, the, the, so like there's, there's just so many vulnerabilities around it. There's the man-made caused, uh, intentional there, there's the man-made unintentional there's, uh, acts of nature and so on. And so we had to deal with power outages all the time. Um, and that's not necessarily like this. People don't think of a power outage as, um, like the doomsday event, but you're right for people who rely on that, like insulin or uh, other medications that have to be kept cold. Yeah. That is life-saving, uh, COVID tests or, uh, you know, the vaccination, the vaccines, they have to be kept in minus 70, minus 80 freezers. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's even lab research that, uh, I had to deal with in DC. I worked for a campus that if they lost all the research from a lack of power, then that's pretty much all, you know, goodbye cancer research in the U.S. So lots of reasons why we should focus on power outages. And 
I would argue comparing that to like a hurricane or something else, it's fairly straightforward of what you need to do to mitigate that. A generator is one thing. I'll give you another one before you might want to jump in is um, if you are dealing with that research side or trying to keep things cold, uh, especially from the emergency management perspective, MOUs, Memorandum of Understandings for Dry Ice, keeping things cold for a really long period of time. So um, what would you suggest to those emergency managers outside of California? You've already started to hit on it, but like, what are some of those planning constraints that you have to think about? And how do you start mitigating um, the threat of a power outage? Okay, so two things. I guess this is more for like city, county, um, city and county emergency managers, but it's a whole community. And a whole community doesn't just refer to uh, the whole community response where it's your private sector and your public sector and your nonprofit. It also is uh, responding to the whole community, including those people who are marginalized, those people who have disabilities, uh, minority and the, the minority uh, demographics in the population. How are you planning for people who um, maybe they're not English speakers? Um, but aside from that, aside from planning for those people, you don't need to be the expert on that either. Often people, emergency managers think, oh, I need to know everything about every demographic. No, you don't. There's organizations out there that do. You need to reach out to them mm. and find out where they're at um, if you need to include that in your planning. If you don't, um, I would still suggest reaching out to whole community partners uh, to solve issues that you alone cannot solve. So another thing, you're not expected as a county emergency manager or city emergency manager to solve all the issues. You're expected to know the people who can solve the issues. You're expected to coordinate those people and facilitate those meetings to come to come to solutions. So, um, you know, reach out to your local VOAD and reach out to the power company and reach out to find out where the grants are at and, uh, and, and reach out to those. You don't know who could help you. Maybe it's Salvation Army, maybe it's Southern Baptist, maybe it's Red Cross, maybe it's, you know, the Mennonites, the LDS, whoever it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a group effort. So you don't need to be the expert. You just need to find the expert and start having those discussions because those people would be happy to have those discussions with you. The emergency management expert is a, somebody who is an expert in understanding how the spider web is interconnected, right? That's, that's where I find like the most competent emergency managers when they're able to say, I took all this time in the planning uh, of a disaster to say, who could be anybody who could touch this disaster? And so by the time you turn it on, it, you're not trying to figure that out, but you're literally calling Patrick McGinn at the Salvation Army, like, hey, I know exactly what you do, and I, I need some help here. And you already have that relationship. We always say it's relationships, but really what it is is understanding the spider web, understanding how everything's interconnected. Um, you said this mic drop moment. It's going to be the quote for the show, so I'm calling that out <laughs> right now. But he said, the whole community equals responding to the whole community. And I, I threw the equals in there for you. The, um, but, like, that's, that's true. We, we think so much about the whole community of response or the whole community of the people we work with. But it truly is about the people and the, you know. And when you start, I've been doing this thing at uh, Doberman quite a bit. We've hired, we've had this uh, really great year. We've hired quite a bit of people. And they come up with projects. So they want to work on different things. And uh, I keep on finding myself asking the same question. What is the outcome that you want? And it's, it's amazing to see the thought process change of like how they think they should accomplish their goal or their, their project. 
because like you know lots of people think like oh i start a race thinking like uh you know when i hear the gun go off but if i want to be the last if i want to be last or if i want to be first at the at the finish line thank you that's the word i was thinking of. If i want to think of the finish you got to think of the finish line first right uh it's like fast and furious is the fun moment fast and furious when he always goes too soon and then he hits his nos after right because he's thinking of the finish line um as part of his objective and so like that's that's a big plan uh planning tip there um responding to the whole community you focused a lot more on that with salvation army like in fema your whole job was basically figuring out like what the disaster was and the scope of the disaster and when things can turn on and all this stuff and you start looking at lifelines and everything especially there at the end but now you focus much more on the local and uh, you brought this up last time. I thought that was really interesting. Like you're talking about like what catastrophic disasters are. And for the people who are impacted, they always are catastrophic disasters. You brought that up again today of like, Hey, a power outage might not seem like a big deal, but it is for people when they're on that life saving, um, you know, side of it. Right. Or the, the life sustainment side of uh, power. Um, to your final thoughts, maybe because we're going to be wrapping up here soon of what would your advice be to emergency managers um, across the country who have only worked in either local or only worked in federal or, you know, state, whatever, large, large scope versus localized. What is the gap do you think is between the, the strategic level and that I would call what you do tactical level? Is there, is there something that, that, that there's a miss between the two that we could do better on? I think there's a behavior um, that can be adopted from both that benefits both. Um, I like what uh, Joe Delamura said in his show about when they were uh, becoming more innovative of how to connect the supply chain when they ran, ran out of certain materials that companies that traditionally make those materials couldn't make anymore. Mm. So the behavior that everybody runs into, including emergency managers is, well, I'm gonna do it this way because it's always been done this way. And I'm comfortable doing it this way. And this is the way the government's always done it. But when I say whole community, whole community is not, it, it is the way things have been done, but not in a very coordinated manner. So when you're trying to think of solutions to, you know, how's our, how's our, our local government going to pay for salt trucks when it snows every seven years? Well, if it happens every seven years, you don't pay for salt trucks because you don't have storage. You can't afford it. What you do is you reach out to the salt truck company and you make a deal and you sign a contract and you work it out with them. That's, that's the power of whole community. That's the power of, well, we didn't ever do it this way before, but okay, we can make it work. They're willing to work with us on this. Uh, that's how you create innovative solutions to help people in unique problems with I, unique problems. Yeah. I like that too. I like the idea of the salt truck company, because if you try to do that in the moment, it will be exponentially more expensive for you to do that. And it'll be, it'll be ugly and it'll be messy and it'll be stupid. And you'll walk away you're like, oh, I got the job done. You'll, you'll like pat yourself on the back and you'll be like taking a shower and half your hair is falling out, right? Like it will be super stressful. But if you know it's like, hey, once every seven years or it's going to be a long time before we have a snow, snow event and you put that MOU in place and all you have to do is, I'm going to pull up my handy dandy cell phone here. Hey, uh, enact the MOU and enact the memorandum of understanding here. They're like, okay, contract on. 
You know, you're like, oh, cool. Great. Done. You know, and so like you can move on to higher priorities, which is getting to people who need the life-saving help. Right. So I think that's a great call out. Um, we're going to have you back on the show because we always have you back on the show. Woo. Woo. Yeah. But uh, I would like to, do you have any closing remarks, thoughts that you've been thinking about lately that um, you would like to share with our audience? Uh, yeah, maybe just one. You, you don't have to do it alone. Whatever you're trying to do, whether you're trying to write a plan, whether you're trying to uh, come up with actual sustainable solutions or response solutions, recovery, whatever it may be, uh, you're not alone. You're part of the community, whether you are with a business, with government, with nonprofit, uh, philanthropic, you're part of a larger community of people that also want to help their community. So just, you know, keep that in mind every day. Uh, I think that's a great call out. And uh, Patrick's not allowed to do this because he's with Salvation Army, but I can do it for myself. So don't do it alone. Work with Doberman Emergency Management. Uh, if you're an emergency manager trying to you're trying to get something done and you have a gap that you've identified or you need to know where your gaps are, that's a great, uh, great. That was an easy segue, easy pitch into Doberman. Uh, you can reach us out, uh, reach out to us at info at DobermanEMG.com there. But uh, in, in, in the whole perspective of things, this was a great episode talking about the whole community, talking about PSPS, public safety power shutoff, and, and really like power shutoffs in general of the the constraints that emergency managers have to think about, pulling in the experts from where they're, wherever they come in, um, get those contracts in place before disaster happens. You, call, you made a, a lot of call-outs there. You also made a lot of call-outs about thinking about the individual and the individual needs and, and, you know, starting from the outcome. What is the outcome you want? You want those people to be taken care of. And so um, you, you call that out. You also called out training and helping people and actually going to them, not just giving them a pamphlet, which is, I you know, 100% endorse. So great call-outs. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Patrick. Thanks again for coming on the show. That's an honor. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Good. So if you like this episode from Patrick... And myself, Patrick McGinn with Salvation Army. You got to give us that five-star rating. You got to subscribe. We want to see you next week. And if you have questions, you can reach out to Patrick in a couple different ways. You can uh, contact us on LinkedIn, Doberman Emergency Management. You can contact us on Facebook or, or Instagram, kind of Twitter with Disaster Tough Podcast. I say kind of Twitter because we don't really use it. But if you want to use it, hey, might as well reach out to us. We'll pass it on to Patrick so everybody can see it. And... Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.